Thought-provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK. This is Left, Right, and Center on 1290 CJBK. We welcome back to the studio two uh, regulars, the longtime regulars, and it's always nice to have both of them, either or both of them here. Marion Boyd is with us. Hi there, Jim. And Robert Metz. Good morning, Jim. Good morning to both of you. Morning, Marion. Uh, morning. I want to uh, I want to do one of our sort of more general days today. Uh, I have a topic, but and it's something I've been doing a lot of think about and a lot of reading over over my holidays too there just seemed every time I picked up a magazine there was some comment on it and I saw uh, I, I guess sort of the catalyst for our discussion uh, today in Forbes magazine yesterday an article written by a law professor in Boston it's talking about this this rash of uh, of sort of corporate corruption in the United States and in Canada and uh, the the various articles that I were reading were making various points, you know, good guys, bad guys, uh, just trying to do their job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the fascinating article, the most fascinating, was by the professor, and I, I apologize that her name escapes me. I left the article at home. But she's a, a pr- professor of legal ethics at uh, 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 University, or uh, one of those, in Boston. <laughs> and her point was that none of this would happen. None of this could have happened if... The, the legal profession, and this is not to slander lawyers, but if the legal profession had not sort of dropped the ball, that, that they're sort of the ultimate arbiters of what you can get away with and what you can't. And she felt that, that her, and it's her profession, she's a lawyer, she felt that, that we'd sort of missed the point by blaming business for this and said it's not really business's fault for the most part they do as they're told. And I thought it would be interesting for me, and I, 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 I'm sure for our listeners too, to ask you too, from the different political perspectives from which you come, what, what do you make of that? She's sort of saying that it's not, you can't really blame the business guys. It's the guys who interpret the rules, which in this case happens to be lawyers, and, and that, uh, you know, business is business, and it'll do whatever it thinks it can get away with. Do you think it's that simple, Mary? I, I suspect it's not quite so simple, and I'm surprised that uh, she chose uh, uh, lawyers in particular. Um, in, in Canada, we have a, uh, or at least in Ontario, we have a very strong rule at the Law Society that separates those giving legal advice from those giving financial advice. So that even if you're in a combined <coughs> firm, there has to be an absolute Chinese wall uh, between the legal advice and the, and the chartered accountant's advice. I don't think that's true in the States. Mm-hmm. So it, she may well uh, you know, be in a different situation where, in fact, the legal advice uh, might uh, be tainted by the uh, desire for the bottom line, mm. so to speak. And, and that could be a bit of a problem. But I, I, I think it's probably a little too simple. I think, generally speaking, um, there has to be a climate uh, which looks at uh, the the earning of money, the making of money, the making of profit, uh, and the um, the sense that the market always self-regulates and so you don't have to worry too much about making sure that everything is copacetic because the belief structure, the value structure, is that somehow the market uh, knows what it's doing and, and, and so everything will come out all right. And that climate certainly exists in, in Canada and the United States and I think it's sort of the context within which this kind of misbehavior can happen. Bob, let me uh, put the same question to you. What do you make of uh, this, and I, I really wish I knew her name, but the professor's uh, contention that really it was the, the guys who interpreted the rules were the ones that led to all the problems. Well, to the ex- you know, the nature of the corruption here has to be identified. It came in three forms, fraud, misrepresentation, and, and a little bit of theft. So to the degree that the lawyers participated 
in the fraud and the misrepresentation and theft, which are, by the way, the key things that have to be outlawed in a free market society, um, to the degree that they participated, then yeah, you can say they're at fault too. And certainly the business people who knew that they were not honoring their contracts or misrepresenting the facts to their people. These are serious crimes. Well, her point was, and, and she had, it, you know, particularly in a free market, I, th I was shocked that Marion is all all making a profit earning the evil thing here. That she wants to set up some mechanism to look at the making of profit when the, what we need is a mechanism to, d to look at crime, not at profit. Well, let's let's look at what happened here, though. Um, you know that all sorts of people were were making money because of these false claims that, in fact, no, they were stealing money. Something. They weren't making it. That's well, a lot of people between who earning never, and stealing. Well, no, no, I'm talking about people who bought the stock, not people involved in the corporation, mm -hmm. but people who bought the stock and rode that stock up the escalator mm -hmm. on this whole thing. Now, if they were lucky, they sold out early. But they're part of the problem because they weren't asking the right questions. They weren't doing due diligence, if you like, about you mean whether they, You mean they contributed to the fraud and to well, the misrepresentation? I don't think so. I don't oh. think you can say that to them. They might have been stupid in their investments and not looking and not understanding the, what no, they're so reading. That's my point. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't make you a criminal. But it a year has nothing ago, to do with it. I, I didn't act. claim they were criminals. No. I said Well, you're saying you, they contributed. No, I, I, you said they were, I was saying they were criminals. I'm not saying they're criminals. I'm saying, and, and what I was saying was the context within which this happened has to be taken into account. There are many, many people who even when their financial advisors are saying to them, there's really something wrong with this. There's, there's, there's something wrong with uh, uh, the, the kind of, of, of uh, hand-over-fist profit-making that's going on here. There's something funny about that. And there were, uh, at least they claim now, a lot of uh, brokers who were very nervous about this huge climb of some of these organizations, particularly in the dot-com area. And pe But people were so focused on... Uh, being able to make profit, and and a lot of those people now, of course, find themselves. Well, that's with what this risk and profits one, all about. One, one cent uh, a share uh, world dot com. But if you were, you go back a year or your year and a half or two. Your market forces are working, by the way. Even when people fail and lose their fortunes, well, that's, that's what the market does to you when you make yeah, the wrong decision. This is about failure. This yeah. is about, as you said before, this is about crime. Yes. And if we if we look at we go back a year and a half or two years, however far back you have to go to the point where Arthur Anderson's reputation was unblemished, which is this huge uh, accounting firm who at one point was at the pinnacle of its profession around the world. I believe they were the largest accounting firm on the globe, I think. They may not be anymore, but they were at one time. And certainly one of the most respected. And, Marion, you were talking about lack of due diligence, but if you go back a couple of years and, and you look at Arthur Anderson, and they're involved in a number of these big companies, and they're saying everything's okay... And this is a, a company that's been around for, I don't know how, a century, something like that, a long time. Huge, huge uh, company whose, whose, whose entire reputation is based on, on, on their, their impartiality and their, and their objectivity. When they let you down, what are you supposed to do? How do you do due, due diligence when, when, you know, supposedly the most diligent guys out there are faking you out? Well, seven years ago, we tried to tell the people of Ontario about Anderson and about what Anderson Consulting was all about that it was all about making profit and our government hired them to make the changes in the social assistance system and they made money hand over fist the government didn't do due diligence and finally they figured out that they were paying millions and millions and millions of dollars to this company and not having the the uh, result that they expected to have so uh, again, I think there has been a lot of talk for a long time 
about some of the concerns around Anderson, doing these consulting jobs and then supposedly monitoring the success mm. of that through their audit function. And I think there's been, I mean, I think if you look back, there's been a lot of uneasiness about this kind of corporate giant that appears to be able to be at the table when the legal discussions happen, be at the table when the, when the accounting discussions happen, and then are also doing consulting. And that certainly has been pointed out by the, uh, uh, by the regulators now as, as the biggest single problem, that they were supposedly doing the due diligence on their own operation when they were doing these consulting mm -hmm. jobs. And they were reorganizing entire companies. They were in there as, as, uh, as, as, as corporate fixers. And uh, and nobody was monitoring them because they were using the other arm of the company to self-monitor. Rob, can we can a, can a, can a system not survive? Because the system is going to survive. But how many of these kind of hits can we take from a major player like that 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 breaks the rules, as you said before, that commits crime? Now they may not be held accountable for a lot of the quote crimes they've done. That was another point that the professor and made yesterday. Then they'll laugh all the way to the bank. Well, exactly right, and she made that Our point. Our bankruptcy laws are behind a lot of that. Some bankruptcy laws are just simply irrational. They take the concept, a good concept, of bankruptcy, and, and some people take advantage of that to avoid their responsibilities. Um, but again, that's a criminal act as far as I'm concerned. Marion, again, is focusing on Ander Anderson Consulting as being all about making profit. Well... We're all about making profit, every one of us. But you have to distinguish between the person who's making profit honestly and the person who's making profit dishonestly. And I didn't hear anything in your whole uh, talk against Anderson there that you specifically defined as being a dishonest practice other than they're into making profit. That to no, me is a I, good thing. I, uh, what I identified as the dishonesty is that they lull people into a sense of confidence that in fact there is some oversight of what they are doing when they are themselves offering that oversight. But this well, is like the government, eh? The government, like, lulls us into a sense but of that, confidence. But that, you know, that, that, and the government is exactly where I want to go with that, because then we've got a problem, don't we? It, how do... <clears throat> if, the market, if the market can't control them, then, then one speculates, and I'm speculating, Marion, that you'd probably be interested in something like this, that perhaps the government should take harsher steps or, or exert a little more control over them. If these guys were smart enough to fool your government, which they did, and they fooled lots of other people... No, not my government. We, we didn't hire them. Well, well it, you know... Subsequent the, government. Well, okay, the government of Ontario, they, they, they fooled some, you know, reasonably intelligent people. Uh, they were smart enough to defeat your government. Uh, in any case, uh, the, the reasonably intelligent people, how, how then can we hope that any government, whether NDP or Liberal or Tory or whomever, how or why should we put any more faith in them to control uh, the bad guys than, than, uh, than we have thus far. I mean, obviously anybody can be taken in, taken in by a smart enough confidence man. Your faith has to be rational just like your thoughts do. I mean, you can't irrationally put your faith in people. Uh, if somebody earns your faith, that means they've got a long track record, which some of these people did. Arthur Anderson did. Yes, and therefore that faith was misplaced. But that doesn't mean that every other company out there is like that. All that happens is they're dead, they're gone. You know, he's dead, Jim. <laughs> well, this has been one of the big arguments in the States, of course, is the argument between do we, do we change the whole structure or do we simply punish these people? And there are a lot of people who think we should change the whole structure. Absolutely. Well, I don't see where the fault is in the structure, except with a few laws here and there to allow people to escape their responsibilities. Um, are we not going to allow risk-taking? Because a lot of business losses are legitimate. You know, somebody legitimately tries an effort and fails at it. 
Um, and that failure is part of the free enterprise system. That weeds out the people who are inefficient at one thing so that they move on to something else that they may be efficient at. Mm -hmm. And when we start messing around with that, I don't know if you, if you, you know, you're going to kill the, the goose that lays the golden egg. Marion, how would you change the system and, and, and why would you do that as opposed to, and let's say that, we, that you had the ability to do either one, why would you change the system rather than punish the, the, the miscreants, the guys well, who... I think you'd need to do both, Jim. I mean, uh, frankly, I mean, I think it, it uh, is going to certainly bring the uh, justice system into disrepute if some of these people are not able to be prosecuted well, you successfully. And I, you and I know that a whole ton of them are going to walk away from this. Yeah, and it's, and it's a real worry because uh, part of the problem that they have in the United States is is the way in which their their laws around this kind of kind of issue uh, actually uh, are are enforced mm. and 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 it's a, it's a difficult thing. We we always forget that when you get into that civil realm, there are very different rules in different parts of the country, mm -hmm. and and uh, uh, people have learned long ago how to get around responsibility, as as uh, Bob puts it, uh, by uh, by playing fast and loose with jurisdictional things. And I think you'll you'll hear jurisdictional issues being the thing that people get off on down there. We. We hear, and, and, and it's really interesting, we've been getting a lot of flack from a lot of the large law firms that want to join with chartered accountants and do exactly what Anderson was doing. Mm -hmm. And the Law Society in Ontario has said very clearly, no, that's not appropriate because the, the legal advice has to be independent legal advice. It has to be independent of the goals of the company. And you need to, you need to be very clear as you go along. Uh, that 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 advice has to have integrity far apart from what the company wants to wants to um, accomplish and 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 we we bring that through in many ways for example lawyers who work in the government uh, lawyers who, who work for the attorney general or the attorney general him or herself ha has a, a specific obligation written into the their acts and into their uh, contracts that they will give independent legal advice, for, uh, always independent, no matter what they know their masters want to hear, that they will at least give advice. Wouldn't any honest lawyer or an, any honest accountant do that? I mean, if this is the correct law, they should be getting that information by either side. Well, that's not the way and it is in the United States, though. Many of these firms combine the legal advice with the commercial advice and it becomes the goal of the commercial enterprise as opposed to that separation. But if they're obeying the law, if they're still getting no, legal advice, unless you're saying that the legal advice they're getting from the accountants is not legal, <laughs> that they're but wrong. But you see, that's the point the professor you know? was making yesterday, yeah. that in a lot of these cases, the lawyers, right. as she looked at it and mm -hmm. analyzed it, the lawyers themselves are playing fast Absolutely. and loose with the law. Oh, listen, nobody's immune from from being a criminal, but whether it's a judge, a lawyer, a priest, or anybody. If I mean, their own people in if their own profession is not uh, monitoring this behavior, that's when you get into real difficulty. Okay, we have to pause for a second, and we'll be monitored here. I'm sure this is Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK. Boyd and Bob Metz with us today on this edition of Left, Right, and Center. We're talking about these big business collapses in the States, and there's only implications, perhaps, that they have, and, and, and what happened, and I guess, in a sense, who's to blame, in a, in a larger and a smaller sense. Uh, Bob, I want to ask you about about the self-regulating nature of the market. When we get a situation like this, and you said before, you know, people lose money, and, and that's part of the game. I have no problem with that. You make money, you lose money. If you want to play the game, you got to be prepared, prepared to do that. Is is there uh, the market itself in a pure free market? Um, uh, is there any way to protect ourselves against 
this kind of fraud. I mean, are we not... Yes, you have laws against fraud and misrepresentation. But we have you the... go after the person who committed the crime and you you punish them accordingly. But we have the laws now, or they have the laws in the state. We not effective too. laws. Our laws do not... You know, the, again, you got to separate a, a legitimate risk-taking and a loss in that case from a criminal activity. You have to be very clear about that. Um, you know, I find it odd that we're talking about perhaps the lawyers have to be a separate group to look into this and give advice separately. I, I don't know, when I talk to people, uh, I don't mean this to be too disparaging, but generally the, the general impression of lawyers is not of great high moral caliber. Mm -hmm. In fact, if anybody was going to say that anybody who's interested in making a profit, it's, a, it's the lawyer profession that you hear people always arguing about. And if they are motivated by only profit and not by the issues and by the things that they're getting involved with, they may well step over the line. In fact, if that's what motivates them, you know, they may step over that line where they're no longer earning a profit, but making it on someone else's expense, you know. But again, we ha I think a lot of our, our, our problems are even in, the, in, in incorporation laws that allow um, many of the participants to escape responsibilities and use numbered companies to Absolutely. get away with all sorts mm -hmm. of things. This is a scam that's been going on for years. My father got caught in that one several times. In the construction industry, it's like a... Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just rife. And, you know, and so many small guys get left holding the bag for the big guys. And um, so there's obviously something very unjust going on there. But we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The concept of a legitimate bankruptcy is one that should still exist. Absolutely. And again, you're still put before some sort of scrutiny in a court to make sure that you that it was legitimate. You have to go through process on either end of this. And we can't guarantee a perfect, honest world because we aren't all perfectly honest. And so we try to create an ideal situation where you deal with issues as they arise and hopefully other people learn from seeing how society responds. Well, we try to do that with our criminal and civil codes. And Marianne, I'll ask you, you're a former Attorney General of Ontario. One of the other points that was made in one of the articles I read last week about this was that, and again, we're talking about U.S. law, but the laws are just too darn complex, that we all know what they're supposed to do. We, we, you know, that, that in, a, in a broad sense, we all have a pretty good idea what's good and what's bad. There was an article in the paper, a number of the papers yesterday, that, that suggests now that humans are hardwired to detect those among us who would attempt to defraud and cheat us, that there's... <laughs> that not, it, it, it was in all the papers. It was in all the papers. That's called junk science. Well, but, maybe so. But, but it, was yeah. in, it was interesting. I understand and, the, the, what it's trying to say. Yeah, there's it, a point there. Yeah, and it, and it's, it, it suggested, you know, that, that we do have a, a, a common sense of what's right and what's wrong in, in, in a larger concept, uh, context. And I think if you took, you know, ten reasonable people and sat them down at a table and, and said, you know, here's... We want to create a society with a certain amount of justice. How hard is it? I don't think it would be that hard to come up with some... I mean, we've got the Ten Commandments to start with. You add another ten, and you're probably okay. Uh, <laughs> That's right. The fewer laws, the better. When you have too many laws, every little action becomes codified. And then lawyers figure out how well, to that, walk and around and in between all going, those and codifications. Marion, I want to ask you about that. Are the laws too complex? Have we, have we allowed them to become too convoluted? I think I think in the civil commercial side, yes, that I would I would say that quite quite directly. Bob mentioned the issue of, of the little guy left holding the bag. Well, if you look at construction lien issues, mm -hmm. for example, um, the the law was a nightmare in Ontario uh, because people concentrated their whole effort on getting around the law. Mm. And what it really took was sitting down and figuring out, well, ca how can we regulate this? How can we make sure that uh, uh, that uh, at least people aren't uh, defrauding these, these workers and, and got somewhere? Mm. But yeah, I think the laws, the laws are, 
are uh, uh, often a challenge. There are people who spend their entire lives trying to figure out the way around laws because their language very often leaves ambiguities. And one of the things we need to be doing is looking at, at plain language. Uh, you contrast that with the, the criminal code, which, frankly, anybody ought to be able to read. Mm -hmm. It's very clear about this is the law, these are the exceptions, these are the punishments that are allowed, there's always a range, and, and this is what happens. And, and uh, most people can actually understand that when they read it. Whereas if you get into some of the incorporation laws, into some of the banking laws, the federal banking laws, they, they, they are tomes yeah. that are, yeah. you know, very weighty, and the language is often um, quite... Uh, inscrutable to the average person. So I think uh, an effort to try and simplify our laws to really try and look at it would be would be good. I mean, we had this great big commission that looked at the banking laws, for example, and nothing's happened because the politicians are afraid to tread on the toes of those who may lose some power. I think if law operated more on principle than on a codification, mm -hmm. we might have more justice, although that that brings with it some dangers as well. Mm -hmm. But it would be nice if a judge could just stand back from something a little more, or a judge and jury, and look at the total picture and say, well, this, these people did something seriously wrong, and not worry about every little nuance of the law, did they break this one or that one? Because sometimes the law can be used to do, again, illegitimate things, mm -hmm. things that wouldn't be considered moral or just. So um, often the law becomes its own its own enemy in a way. I want to ask you, we're running short of time, mm -hmm. and it's just, uh, I'm sorry we didn't I'd get into this earlier, but I want to ask both of you about this. At the uh, the conference down the street here, the head of the Defense Lawyers Association, I think that's the correct terminology, said Cr that... Criminal Lawyers uh, Association. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, and he's very concerned about the new uh, federal bill that gives the police sort of extra extra legal powers to, to break the law in support mm -hmm. of the law, and says that we're very, very concerned no about kidding. that. Is this a legitimate concern? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Shouldn't we trust our police officers? To a we point. do. We do to a large extent. We. I, I think a lot of people aren't aware of how much discretion police officers actually have in how they they do their work, and 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 in most cases, uh, do that very well, exercise that discretion well. But when you use a, a law like these these so-called anti-terrorist laws and allow for the uh, uh, allow search and seizure procedures to go around the the law that has been set to protect people allow for imprisonment without uh, without charging all that sort of thing of course we should be concerned because it's the thin edge of the wedge and most importantly with these new laws they're introducing there are no consequences to the police forces or government if they make serious mistakes in that's, fact, that's in really fact, what the in change fact, is. They have absolutely yeah. indemnified themselves. Right, and that's, in the law. that's the change in the law. Not the they they could have been doing all this all up till now, but up till now they've been responsible, and we all been we're all calling for accountability in government. There you go, gone. Well, but on the other hand, we, uh, you know, some of us watch The Sopranos every week, and we watch this 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 criminal parallel universe that yeah. goes most, on most there. organized crime is caused by bad law though well yeah but the drug trading the cops anything in the vices cops don't seem to be able to get these guys if they play by the regular rules and we we see lots of examples uh, uh, Hollywoodized example for sure but we see lots of examples well that's because they're not committing regular crimes unless they're killing people but I the mean, criminals that's a different are th issue. thumbing their noses at at at, at at authority, at the authority that supposedly just is... Just as the Hells Angels do here. Well, who do you, who do you think the biggest supporter of drugs, uh, drug laws are? Criminals. 
they organize crime syndicates who don't have to pay taxes for all the drugs they sell. They, they're, they're, they're living in this world that's being protected for them by the police who are keeping all the small guys out of the running. Well, well you know, if, if I was in the drug business, I'd be making uh, alliances with all the politicians who were in favor of drug laws. So what's going to happen with this federal legislation? Is this, uh, I mean, are the people... I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll stand a challenge, yeah. uh, personally. Um, I think it was, it was, and, and I think that probably, I bet that was the legal advice of the government lawyers, that mm -hmm. it probably would not withstand a charter challenge. Well, the and politicians, <laughs> being what they are, say, oh, well, we got to do something to allay these horrible fears that people have after September the 11th, and so we'll do it, and if we lose it in court later on, then we'll do something else. Several million dollars later on, though. In That's Ontario, right. don't forget, they've already passed Bill 30, which was the That's same right. law on the provincial level, and people said it wouldn't survive a charter challenge, and it hasn't gone through that it process hasn't yet. Gone through yet. But uh, we'll have to see. I'm getting nervous when I have to depend on the charter to look after me, you know. Well, I think that's a good topic for another day. I yeah. think you might well be right. <laughs> I'm going to thank my guests, Bob Metz and Marion Boyd, for joining Thanks, us today Thanks, on Mary. this Thanks, edition Jim. of Left, Right, Thanks, and Center. Bob. Very informative and interesting, as always.